Hello, and welcome to Us Weirdos Have to Stick Together, a show where a couple of weirdos watch all of the Elf House. My name's Nobody, and joining me is our friend Quill. How's your week been, Quill? Kind of in the mixed bag. I, I kind of had to sit the last two days out of work because of a COVID scare, but uh, fortunately I did test negative on a rapid test my supervisor sent me overnight. Thank but, goodness for that. Yeah. I'm going to say a week, but it's been, what, three weeks since we recorded, so... <laughs> I, I think it's been almost a whole month, because wasn't, wasn't that... Did the, did the episode release on December 9th, or did we record that December 9th? Uh, I truly do not remember. Yeah, I want to say it was the two. One of the two. But, like, I mean, it's it's uh, January 7th now, and it's my birthday. Well, happy birthday. Thank you. It's uh, kind of a mixed um, bag, just like the rest of the week. <laughs> I have honest. our first episode releasing on the 13th of December, so not quite a month, but almost. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think we recorded that on the 9th then. Could be, record, yeah. Yeah, because we recorded that Thursday before that Monday. Sounds about right. Yeah, well, hopefully this we should go, go weekly from this point. Yeah. That was just a, yep. a one-off. And this, and this one should go live on the two-year anniversary of the Owl House debuting. What can I say? We've got timing. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> that was an accident. <laughs> we did not at all plan that. How's your week been? Or weeks? That's cases. Yeah, well, you know, drama. <laughs> uh, during our pilot episode, I informed the listeners that I currently live in Texas, and that is no longer true. During our four weeks of non-recording, I went ahead and moved to Ontario, Canada. So, like, this is setting a precedent. I guess I have to move between every episode now. That's going to be a bummer, but other than that... Yep. We're, we're taking this show on the road. We're going to uh, record from the back of a van, and all of our guests, if we get any, will just be random people we pulled from the street. <laughs> yeah, I was just up here for school, but now that I have easy access to all-dressed flavor potato chips, I might have to stay, so we'll see. Uh, I think I've heard of that kind of potato chip. It just basically has everything on it, right? Uh, yeah, it's like a vinegar ketchup thing. Oh, right, yeah, the, the ketchup, right. That's what I remember hearing about it. <laughs> that's Honestly, just weird. I don't even know what's in it. It's just good. Yeah, I've never considered putting ketchup on chips because I'm more of a barbecue sauce person myself rather than ketchup. Well, yeah, sure. Mm. But these are ketchup. Well, all dressed aren't, but there are also ketchup flavored chips here. Mm. Yep. And yeah, no, other than that, just finishing up uh, international moving issues, like having to get an international driver's license and all. So, yeah, pretty chill, just... Yep, that could be a bit rough, like how it was the very day after I arrived in Japan, I had to spend basically the entire day being carted around by one of the members of the company I was going to be working slash teaching for, where Oof. she was... She at least spoke English, but like she was just like having to hold me around to be like, all right, let's go do your like citizenship card stuff, let's go do your phone stuff, let's go set up for them to collect your garbage stuff. It was it was a long day, especially after a thirteen hour <laughs> flight. <laughs> yeah, talk about an introduction to a country. Yeah. Spend thirteen hours on a flight, have to like immediately be like, Okay, I need to get like a bare minimum amount of like plates and some food at least enough to go overnight to have like dinner and breakfast the following day before this lady has to haul me around. <laughs> uh, it was rough. I can imagine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this was simpler than that. Just 
than having to we we drove from Texas to Ontario, so that was not fun. Yeah, how many days was that? Uh, we split it up over three days, fourteen hours for the first two days, and then about three on the last one. Ugh, that's too much driving for those two, I think. It was fine. You didn't even notice when you lost an hour for the time zone, and it felt like fifteen. <laughs> oh, fun! I didn't even notice that there was just another end on there. It's like, yeah, whatever. It's just fun more. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you say that, and meanwhile, I'm looking at the prospect of moving. Uh, let's see, my last day of work would be four weeks from today, so it'll be five weeks and two days from when I'm gonna be hitting the fucking road as well. Which might not be Hartford, Connecticut, might not be Boston, because, like, the most promising of the various roommates I've been talking to, like, said that I'm her first choice, but she's the one in Connecticut where they're bails being in Boston. But it's like, yeah, that's still close enough. It's, like, still a pretty good, like, progressive area. And... Okay. Um, you've been, uh, you... any movies or video games you'd like to chat about before we get started? Uh, not like, your free time? No, like, uh, my, my one friend, Greg, got me Death's Door on Steam for my birthday, so I played, like, an hour and a half of that earlier. It's a very cute little, uh, it's, I don't want to say it's just, like, old 2D Zelda, like, top-down Zelda with some Dark Souls-y stuff, but that's kind of what it is, because every game has some Dark Souls-y stuff in it now. Because <laughs> it's, like, it's, uh, you know, you play, play a little, like, crow who's, like, a Grim Reaper going around to, like... For, like get grab the souls of people that need to die or whatever get a little sword and a bow at the start and it's very much like you know you have to like dodge all away from stuff you only have like a few hits before you die you have like a currency that you use to upgrade some of your like different stats and it's like i haven't died yet but i assume you drop that if you die you gotta go back and get it i think i'd be wrong about that yeah it's cute okay. it's pretty enjoyable <laughs> glad to hear it I've been doing nothing productive, by which I mean I watched the Brian Reynolds movie Free Guy, and I can't recommend it. <laughs> well, I mean, also, most of your week has been taken up with driving, so it makes sense. Yeah, true. But yeah, I mean, it's a it's an interesting enough concept. It's a an NPC that's actually accidentally made from actual AI and develops consciousness, but ah. you know, it just didn't. It wasn't the best development. It was too straight for me. Gotcha. But yeah, that's that's all I got. So if you're ready, shall we move into the show? Yeah, I think we're good. Okay. So the very first episode we watched is, unsurprisingly, the very first episode, A Lying Witch and a Warden. Mm-hmm. So uh, the episode opens with the uh, good witch Azura battling her nemesis, the Gilder Snake, with an enchanted rocket launcher staff. At which point, he helpfully reminds the audience that his biggest weakness is dying. Uh, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but did you laugh again when we watching that? Oh, every time. Yeah, I do it as well. <laughs> Continue on. That's why I had to call it out. Yeah, it's a good so way to pull out. To uh, Luz Noceda, age 14, who is in her principal's office, where their principal and her mom, and explaining that that was actually her book report. Um, she is in the office because she had more snakes who have escaped, <laughs> and a large firework which she had plans to use for the finale of the report. Uh, they don't like this. She is absolutely in trouble for being too creative, which 
I don't feel like that's necessarily the best adjective, honestly. Because if you're setting a bunch of snakes loose, I don't know if that's creativity. (laughs) (laughs) It's an interpretive book report. Uh, Apparently this has been an issue with her because she's been in the principal's office several times recently, including, among other things, for stabbing herself on stage during an audition for Romeo and Juliet and then spraying sausages out of her shirt and uh, also making a taxidermy squirrel pigeon griffin full of spiders, which, impressive, but what class are you even doing that in? And finally, for just making weird faces, which, again, not really principal material. It was, it was like, gross out during a cheerleading trial. <laughs> eh, I guess. But anyway, so as a result, she's going to have to go to conformity camp, or as they call it, real-life camp, uh, where they, quote, balance checkbooks and appreciate public radio for three months. <sighs> it's, yeah... Did you, right. did you also read that as a conversion camp the first oh, time you watched it? 100% is. Yeah, I mean, it kind of does come with that. Uh, you know, again, we, we've mentioned before that we're spoiling stuff in advance. It's not that at all for anybody that's not caught up fully. It's not a bad camp at all from what we'll learn later on. The but it kind of just... The box yeah, it, it kind of just cannot <laughs> think of it in any other way. <laughs> Anyway, Luz says she doesn't like any of that stuff and prefers making AMVs. <laughs> so to anime videos. <laughs> Gotta be specific. <laughs> yeah, anime music videos. AMVs. And, uh, yeah, so her mom is all... Your fantasies are holding you back. You don't have any friends. This is not good for you. Blah, blah, blah. Mom stuff, you know. To which Luce responds by throwing her favorite book in a trash can. Why? <laughs> I- I get it in a way. I, I just people as, want you as to we'll, grow up, but as we'll see a lot. Yeah, as we'll see a lot. Luce kind of acts first without thinking about stuff. It's kind of an entire episode in season two to kind of devoted to that. <laughs> <laughs> so mom leaves for Luce to get picked up by the bus to camp, and she dives back into the trash can after the book, only to discover that it is gone, stolen by a tiny owl with a sack of trash. <laughs> She chases him because she wants to get her book back into a spooky cabin, which lights up and a commercial break. When we come back from the break, we discover that she is in the junk room of someone mysterious who thinks trash is valuable and good stuff is trash. Uh, She steals her book back and runs, but discovers that she is in a weird monster lands now. There's like ice cream cones that eat people. It's messed up. There's fairies that want to eat your skin. God, the fucking fairy. (laughs) (laughs) Like, if the snake wasn't enough of a, like, okay, I'm into this, like, the fairy shouting, give me your skin, was enough to make me go, like, okay, I'm gonna like this show. (laughs) Yeah, sure enough. (laughs) So the the lady with the big hair tracks her down, um, and while Deuce does offer her skin to be eaten, (laughs) I should should not have taken a sip of tea right there. Sorry? Almost bad. Oh. <laughs> Continue. I'm good. He is instead presented with a bunch of trash, 
and discovers that she can't help out by making the trash work. She turns on a TV, which is referred to as a black box that reflects only despair, and that draws attention to the stand, and people want to pay snails for it. I don't remember if that's consistent, if the money is always snails, it, but it, it seems it is. strange. Yeah, actually, one of my notes here is it's always snails, but it's never bills past this one episode. I'm pretty sure it's always coins outside of this first episode. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Is a hundred? Well, the one guy says he's going to pay a hundred snails for it. Maybe it's just because it's such a big denomination. Maybe. Anyway, uh, yeah, so it attracts a whole bunch of people, including also the cops, which is not great. <laughs> So, uh, Ida has introduced herself by this point. This is the big hair woman's name, Ida the Owl Lady. Uh, she is a wanted criminal, which makes it a problem that the cops are there. But she knocks him out by hitting him with a magic staff and uses her magic to pack up and run. They, they get on the staff and fly. She brings loose with her because she says a human is more valuable alive. And they go to the Owl House, a magical house guarded by a quote-unquote state-of-the-art security system by the name of Hootie. He, um, he opens his mouth and eats them to let them in the door. It's, I don't think <laughs> they keep doing that. No, never happens again. That's also one of my other notes. We never have them eat <laughs> Hootie eat anybody to get them in the house ever again. They just use the door like normal. He's kind of not much in this first episode, huh? He's he's just no, there to I mean, say who to yeah, it's times. Like, I mean, it's really just more to introduce like Lucy than you know the other character we'll meet in the moment. Like Hootie yeah. has, I guess Hootie doesn't really come up much in any episodes to like episode six, really. Like he's yeah. there in like some scenes and some of the other episodes, but it's like really not till like episode six. Oh yeah, very true. I don't think in this episode we even get the idea that he's more than literally the house. No, because, like, we don't see him stretch until the next episode. Um, okay, yes. So they get inside the house, and uh, Ida introduces her roommate, King, who is, I have written down here, a two-foot-tall, Cubone-looking skull puppy. <laughs> <laughs> Not inaccurate. <laughs> uh, Which I, Alex Hirsch, just basically doing the Bill Cipher voice again. <laughs> more or less, yeah. <laughs> little cuter this time, but pretty much. Um, so King, apparently, was an ancient and powerful king of all demons until his crown was stolen by the Warden Wrath and hidden behind a magical field that only humans can pass through. So Ida wants to get Luz's help to steal that crown back in order to get help to send her home. And to do this, they have to go to the Conformatorium, which... Um, also, just like the camp, not a great name. No, but I feel like it's a pretty deliberate parallel. Yeah, it's it's pretty deliberate, and also it's like when you also see more of what like the freaking emperor is like. It's like, yeah, this makes sense why he would have a place called the freaking conformatorium. I don't. Does this ever really come into play again? I mean, I know we uh, see some of these characters in the future, but... Yeah, I think that's the only other time the Conformatorium is seen, when one of them gets thrown back in, like, way later on. But I don't think we ever actually really come back to the Conformatorium again. Okay. But, well, I guess we kind of do in the Season 1 finale, but not into it fully. It's more just, like, using it as a pretense for getting near the castle. Right. Okay, well, the Conformatorium is a special jail where they keep everyone who doesn't fit into society, which 
it's gay baby jail. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, Luce and King go into the um, one of the upper windows. Luce has disguised herself with a pair of cat ears, so everyone thinks she's a cat. It's not an especially good disguise, but it works, I guess. Gotcha, I think she's a cat lady. Speaking of cats, that's mine knocking my mouse off of this. <laughs> um, yes, so she goes into the conformatorium and meets all the prisoners there who are essentially just locked up for being unusual. There's a, a person who likes to write fanfics of food falling in love with other food. Mm-hmm. Um, a multi-eyed being who enjoys eating their own eyes and believing in conspiracy theories. So honestly, given the way conspiracy theories have gone lately, yeah, you can lock that one up, no problem. Yeah, uh, yeah it's a little bit. <laughs> yeah, <geez. laughs> It's one of those things that hasn't aged as well, just like the Amphibious Season 3 premiere where they keep using the name, the term quarantine a lot. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The specific example she gives is that she believes that the world is a simulation and that they are all playthings of a higher being. So, yeah. like that I'm character not... also voiced by Dana Terrace, by the way. So she is spot on. <laughs> oh, doing the uwu voice, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there's huge booming footsteps, and a character appears. This is Warden Wrath. He is massive, and he's heard them talking. As punishment, he steals Uwu Lady. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure her unofficial name is just Tiny Nose. I think that's how she's always credited. <laughs> okay, we can work with that. And uh, apparently, she is going to be tormented as a punishment, but we never actually get any details on that. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's her officially, her name is Tiny Nose. I don't think anybody ever refers to her as such in the show, but officially, it is Tiny Nose. Okay. She talks and Uwu speaks, so... Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, so Ida rejoins them, having snuck in through the top of the tower. I'm not entirely clear on why they split up, but I think that was probably just to give Luz a chance to meet everybody by themselves in the writing perspective. Uh, there was actually a reason given. Ida said that she would cause a distraction while they snuck in, to- and then I-, I don't know why it is, again, that they really had to, considering that like they aren't like necessarily... There's no, like, alarm going on yeah. when they go to the area. She rejoins them. She right? says that the warden is distracted by tormenting yeah. the small creatures, so she yeah. didn't do it, that. Maybe the plan was to cause a distraction so Luthen King could get in there, and then they accidentally caused their own distraction by having Tiny Nose talk too loud and get <laughs> brought to a torture rack, I guess. <laughs> anyway, Luz is pretty upset at this point. She wants to know why everyone thinks it's such a bad thing to be weird and says that people shouldn't be in jail for wanting to be themselves. So, you know, again, conversion camp. Mm -hmm. But uh, they don't really have time for introspection at this point because they've reached the contraband room. So Luz passes through the magical barrier to retrieve King's crown. It's at the pile, top of a pile of mundane junk and... It's a Burger Queen crown. It is a paper crown from the restaurant Burger Queen. It is not a powerful crown. <laughs> I like it very much. I want one. <laughs> <laughs> Do they even still give out those crowns at Burger King anymore? I think so, but I think you have to ask. Oh, because I remember they used to just be like, I think at tables when I was a kid. <laughs> 
Yeah, apparently they do. This person on Reddit, as of like December 2020, said, yeah, they apparently still have stacks of them behind the counter. Just ask them, they'll give you one. <laughs> well, what do you know? <laughs> so at this point, uh, Ida explains to Luce that King is basically all she has in the world. And so if the crown matters to him, it matters to her, regardless of whether it has power or not. Then she just goes ahead and names our podcast for us, which is very kind of her. Mm -hmm. uh, Warden Wrath shows up and chops off Ida's head, which is honestly pretty frustrating. Or not frustrating, I don't know why I said that. Um, surprising in a show like this, but yeah, for it, she is totally okay. Yeah, for that to be one of like the main shots in the very first episode, I feel like that's where some parents would be like, alright, we're turning this off. Yeah, that's a commercial break shot right there. Yeah. She shows up and whacks her head off, and then we break for commercial. Well, she does at least scream going, ow, I hate it when that happens before it cuts to commercial, but you still have yeah, Lucy's horrified look on her face. Okay, yeah, so she is totally fine, apparently, and claims that body parts falling off is just a thing that happens when you get older. Hey, take it from me, uh, any kids in the audience, uh, being the now 34-year-old, that's just true. <laughs> just happened. <laughs> wow, I got a lot to look forward to in the next four years. Yep. Well, you're already at the point where you're replicating the uh, the Avatar meme about taking away bending. Because <laughs> <laughs> I saw that, I think I saw that when I was 29. I'm like, that can't be true as soon as you hit 30. It is. It just totally is. I'll have to take your word for it. I'm still flexible as a baby, insofar as I can't move. <laughs> okay, so this is uh, Warden Wrath, who has just beheaded Ida, and he reveals that he specifically stole King's crown to lure her here because he could never catch her. Um, it turns out that he is a major creep and wants to ask her out, and to do so, he lured her to a location under false pretenses and ensured she couldn't run away. Totally by, normal guy stuff. Yeah, by chopping her head off. <laughs> and then takes both uh, Luce and King hostage, basically. <laughs> and destroys King's crown, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Rip. It was good while it lasted. But, uh, no, she makes a real big show of turning him down, and while he's distracted by getting... I don't even know what the word is for this. Eviscerated. Yeah, like... <laughs> Yeah, is there any, is there actually, like, a term for when you take out, spit out your tongue at somebody and spit in their face by going, Pfft. is there a, is there a word for that? I honestly have no idea. I'm, I'm sure there has to be. I just can't think of, is it blowing raspberries? That might be what it is. Yeah, that could work. It's a little cutesy, but I guess it is a kid thing mostly, so sure. I mean, I, I unfortunately, I'm mostly thinking of that term from the the bad uh, book series about the boy wizard. Yeah, I think it's actually what it is like, actually supposed to be implied. Hmm. I think so. Yeah. Well, okay. So yeah, yeah she basically spits all over his face, and he doesn't like that at all. And while he's distracted, Luce wallops him with the staff. Which you know, what a what a physical use of that staff not so much magic to this point yeah pretty much um but while he's he's not unconscious but while he's down um Luce reunites Ida with her head grabs king and they all fly off on the staff magic words of course being gun it magic stick 
Which again is a thing that is never used again to make Albert go anywhere. <laughs> there's a there's a lot of really weird like early episode stuff in this episode and the next that will never come up again. <laughs> <laughs> what you don't want that on a t-shirt? <laughs> I mean, it would be funny. It would be better than most of the official shirts they released through Hot Topic because a lot of those shirts just suck. <laughs> So while they're flying out, they, uh, Ida is apparently strong enough to lift the levers that are keeping the bars down, and so they open every cage as they run, but then they crash outside the prison as Wrath takes them down. Um, Ida gives Luz the key and her staff, which very, uh, I don't know if she would have necessarily done that based on everything we've read about her this far. <laughs> But she says to just go, so I guess she doesn't mind losing her portal to the human realm. Yeah, also weird early installment stuff with that, which, uh, considering where we're at currently in Season 2, it's like, uh, hmm, I don't think I probably really thought that, that much about the portal as early on as they probably would have. <laughs> so Luce is trying to go, but she finds a broken open wall of the prison and all the prisoners just sort of looking out morosely and they won't go because they don't believe in themselves. They have been convinced that wherever they go, whatever they do, Wardenrath will find them and put them back in jail. And she gives an inspiring speech, insisting that no one should be punished for who they are, wink wink, mm -hmm. and convinces them all to leave. Now, whether that's going to hold up when Warden Wrath is tracking them down later and putting them back in jail, who knows, but it works in the moment. <laughs> oh, hey, I mean, we don't see any of them actually get put back in jail by Warden Wrath later on, so I guess it well, works. that's true, but there's two yeah. of them. Do we ever see those two again, or is it just Little Nose? I, I definitely remember seeing the multi-eyed guy in the background in some scenes. Like, I remember him in, like, near the finale of season one in, like, the okay. big audience shot. And, like, obviously we see Tiny Nose a lot, and we do see Katya later on in, you know, season two. But, like, I mean, uh, her, her situation is a little different, but they'll probably get her out again at some point. Okay. Well, yeah, she convinces them to break out, and instead they just sort of beat Wrath up. <laughs> yeah, they kind of just kick his ass. <laughs> hmm? They kind of just kick his ass and throw fireworks into his mouth. <laughs> Yeah, so apparently Luce has been carrying around that giant firework from the beginning this entire time. Yeah. Well, one of my notes here is, uh, where is it on this? Uh, yeah, why would the principal or Luce's mom give her the fireworks back after she got in trouble for them? <laughs> well, she was going to take them to anti-conformity. <laughs> also, like, you still have to, I'm pretty sure even in states where it's legal to buy fireworks, you have to be, like, a certain age. Luce is 14. Yeah, I think you usually have to be 18 to buy fireworks. Yeah, let me, let me see. I know that she's from Connecticut. I've tried to Google what is the age for buying fireworks in Connecticut. <laughs> Continue, I will let you know. But, uh, yeah, so they basically just destroy Raph. It's not even a fair combat. Um, and... It finishes with Luz putting that giant firework in his mouth and detonating it. He's apparently all right. He doesn't, like, blow up or anything, but he does run off crying, so... I mean, he breathes fire. It's fine. It's like using a fire attack on a fire Pokemon. It's not necessarily going to kill them. Fire and explosions are different elements. 
I, I guess. I mean, Bakugo and Todoroki are different with their different stuff, even though it still like, can really blow something up. Yeah. Yeah. So they head back to the Owl House, and Ida tries to send Luz home, but Luz doesn't actually want to go. She realizes that between the three of them, her Ida and King, they sort of resemble the three characters on the front of her Azura book. And decides, that is the fact. Hmm? Sorry, that's the fact I never caught until watching it this time around. I've watched, <laughs> I've watched like all these episodes at least three times, and like watched like the beginning part of like season one multiple times. But in addition to that, never caught that until now. <laughs> <laughs> She asks Ida to teach her to be a witch. Ida says that she can't do that because humans can't learn to be witches. Which, yeah, I hate that I used that word as a connector there, but okay. Um, I think that's maybe actually true, technically, because witch is the species, so... Yeah, which again is like another like early installment thing that is weird because we'll get to it more in detail with the next episode. <laughs> but it's like which is the species not but also the profession because like they meant that it comes up in season two episode six so i i don't know but uh yeah Luz just says that uh humans haven't become witches because no one's tried it and becomes uh ida's apprentice in exchange for working for her and uh one of the notes I have here is that apparently she gets cell service in the Boiling Isles because mom texts her asking about camp, and she is able to answer. Mm-hmm. And we close as she replies that she'll like it here while King curls up at the foot of her sleeping bag. End of episode one. Roll credits. Yep. Oh, you know what? I absolutely skipped a line in my notes where I explained that Ida explained that this place was called the Boiling Isles, so... Oops. Yeah, like oh well. good job, me. Last moment. I forget when it is that they even say the demon realm for the first time. I'm now lost for when they actually do call it the demon realm at some point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do Do we just want to go down like the little like remarks we have that we didn't already talk during that first episode before we move on to the second? Yeah, sure. What you got? Uh. Again, like, it kind of relates back to us thinking that the camp is kind of red as a bit of, like, a Grosian camp, but, like, after, like, a little bit of stuff that we see near the end of yesterday's lie, Camilla does come across as kind of really harsh here at the beginning. <laughs> like, like I remember seeing people be, like, the whole debate of, of, is Camilla a bad mom, yes or no? And it's like, I don't think she is necessarily a bad mom, but, like, she still does kind of just say, like, do you have any friends, real ones? And it's like, some kids just are a little rough when it comes to making friends. Like, I was that way that age, and just give it freaking time. But, like, I yes, mean, it's I like... Mean, one of the things she qualifies is that, do you have any real friends not including reptiles? Which, like, yeah. come That's on, who's wrangle a whole bag of snakes? Yeah. <laughs> but then, like, aside from that, like, just other, like, weird, like, early installment stuff, uh, Ida has to spin Albert back into the staff. This never happens again. <laughs> Like, early on, like, after he, like, flies back with the trash bag, like, she spins him onto the staff, and it's like, he, he always just flies back on, and it's like, converts back into, like, wood talisman form. It's like, just weird little stuff like that. Also, uh, speaking of that, uh, spoilers for yesterday's lie again, uh, Ida makes the door go away before uh, Luz uh, helps out with the human junk to attract the crowd, so V could not get through the door, 
Sorry, that's a retcon. <laughs> that's just me being nitpicky, but yes, that they totally retcon that. It's just like the door was still open. <laughs> or at least that either opened up the door again, I guess. Uh, Paying very close attention, I see. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that was also a thing I saw people point out back when yesterday's live first aired. And people were like, wait a sec, the, the door, the, the portal door was closed. <laughs> uh... Yeah, just like little like funny things I know that like Ida is a wanted criminal. Her announcing herself by staying on top of her stand and going, I am Ida, the arrow lady, is not really keeping her cover. <laughs> like it's a whole thing. No, it's like a whole thing like in seven episodes from now with the body swap episode of like her tearing down Luce's like sign advertising that she's Ida and this is her stand. And she tears that apart to like keep a low profile. And it's like, Ida, you're standing on top of your like a whole little stand there just to say your name to lose. <laughs> Am I not remembering correctly? I thought the name of her stand was Ida's Human Treasures. Maybe, but her standing up and just shouting, I'm Ida, here I am, is like kind of like a little bit harder to ignore than just a sign. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. I just, yeah. she's complaining that Luce puts up a sign later. That's hardly fair. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Again, probably just early in some and stuff. Uh, also, where the fuck did that human-only force field come from? Why would Bellos have something like that? <laughs> um, well... <laughs> I mean, big answer is Bellos is secretly a human and he wanted a force field only he could go through. I mean, yeah, that's where I was thinking because, like, the big common thread that people think is that he's either one of the two brothers that got lured into or voluntarily went into the demon realm way back when, and he's just lived this long, or he's a clone of one of them, or it's, like, a human that, like, did some magic shit to himself to try to gain magic fully, and that's why he's a goop monster. But it's, <laughs> it's like, you know, you see that, and it's like, oh, well, this is, like, clearly just, like, a goofy little thing to give, like, Luce a reason for being here, at least in this first episode, why Ida needs her, and then you think about it longer as the series goes on, it's like, hmm, why would there be a force field that only humans can pass through? Yeah, there's a lot of weird goop monsters in this series. <laughs> yep, yeah, sure are. Also, I'm pretty sure that there's like two books in that junk pile. Well, one is called the Necronomicon, and the other one is just Necronomicon Two. <laughs> I think I remember reading that at one point. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, the only thing I can really think of from that episode that like I wanted to bring up, uh. The Owl House blinks at the end of the episode before it shows the title card, and it never yeah. does that again either. <laughs> so it's like, there's the greater problem of like, are they technically inside Hootie's guts? Because he does eat them, but we also know that Hootie can swallow people and then Owl pellet them later on. So it's like, where does Hootie end and the house begin? Is the house is all Hootie? <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure the house is Hootie, at least in the first couple episodes, because of something that happens in the second one, so... Oh, I don't think I have, uh... Are you talking about, like, when Ida punches the side of the house and scares Hootie? Well, yeah, she punches the side of the house and he says, ow. Oh, I, I guess I missed that. I heard him saying, ow. <laughs> yeah, so I I'm guess. pretty sure at the beginning he is just the house. Mm, okay, I mean, you know he can rip himself off and he leaves guts behind, so I guess he might just be. <laughs> Hootie is a nightmare when you think about it. <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of everything I had about that episode. Do you have anything before we move on to the second? Uh, no, I had something a little while ago, but I managed to forget it while we were chatting, so I'll bring it up <laughs> if I remember. Okay. Uh, 
Yeah, that's why I made notes and <laughs> separated them. Uh, unfortunately, my synopsis is going to be a lot shorter, <laughs> I think. But also, not as much happens in episode 2 compared to episode 1, which it makes sense. <laughs> they need to establish a lot with a lot of characters in that one. Yeah, I guess uh, we'll just get into it because, you know, Witches Former Wizards is a very short episode, but there's other stuff to talk about from it that also are just really weird early installment things. Right. Hey, to get into it, uh, it's the very next day. Luce wakes up after having thought it all a dream, accidentally kind of karate chops Hootie in the head when he startles her in the bathroom. And then uh, unannounced, just goes into Edith's closet looking for witchy clothes and basically ends up grabbing a dirty bathroom and like a grime covered traffic cone, which King just laughs at because she's just wearing trash, basically. LSD, you're wearing garbage. Who isn't? Yep. Uh, yeah, Edith like, originally pretends to just forget who Luce is, but after she like fully wakes up, it's like, okay, yeah, you really want to like magic staff? You got to earn it because usually they come from school. Is that something that I feel like doesn't actually hold up as well, based on what we'll find out in later episodes as well, because other characters just make their staffs. <laughs> but whatever, we'll get there. <laughs> uh, yeah, so she's going to have her do chores, basically, because Eva had like a little side business of delivering potions across like the town of Bonesboro, which I don't remember. Is Bonesboro confirmed to be like the capital of the of the Boiling Isles? I feel like it is, because I think like the Emperor there, there are, because we go to Latissa in Hunting Palisman in Season 2. Okay, that's true. Yeah, I, those are the only ones we really know about. But, like, we also know that there are, like, there have to be, because there's, like, two other schools at the least, because we know that uh, Hexide is in Bonesboro. I just, it seems so small at the beginning, because Bonesboro, from what we see at the top, kind of seems to fill all the ribs. So. Yeah, it's like, I, I have to imagine that Bonesboro is the capital. Because, like, it's it definitely is close enough to the Owl House, which is why, like, Ida goes and sells potions there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, whatever. Uh, Yep, Ida sends King along with Luce to make sure she doesn't get lost or eaten. And basically, Luce has a crummy day where a lot of, like, people try to either eat her or insult her because she's the only human. And when, I, I I like the joke about her trying to sell the potion to the centaur guy, where it's it's that play on the my eyes are up here joke, but it's his eyes are down there on his chest rather than where his head is. It's just like, <laughs> oh, I wasn't expecting a boob joke in this, but okay, whatever. I'm pretty sure other people just straight. No, no, I'm thinking of Amphibia. There's a there's a joke where like somebody calls in somebody a boob in Amphibia, not Owl House. Wrong show. Close enough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Towards the end of the day, she's just kind of bummed out because she was like expecting like some big magical destiny. Instead, she's just basically being an Amazon package deliverer person. So, yeah, pretty much on point for what it's like working for anybody in America, mostly in the year 2022, unfortunately. But I don't know. Ida tells her flat out, I will teach you spells if you do work. And she yeah. doesn't want to do the work. Like, well, day one, I'm... she can't even. <laughs> Yeah, well, like, the thing is that, like, Luce is 14, and, like, so many people have just, like, insulted her or tried to eat her already. <laughs> so it's, like, I mean, it makes sense that she's, like, bummed out because she's, like, I don't know if it was the right idea coming here to this, like, weird demon world. <laughs> like, maybe the, the fact that you're in the demon world, maybe it should have been your first clue of it maybe not being a right fit for you, you <laughs> little human girl. <laughs> but, yeah, like, they, they go to do the last delivery, which is at a fancy castle... Which is owned by a wizard, the only wizard we'll ever meet in this entire show. We, they will never mention wizards again. So again, early installment, weird shit. 
but whatever. Uh, the wizard introduces himself as Adagast and talks to Lewis over tea, like about like how he thinks that she's special because she's a human, because there's a big prophecy about a human being able to find a magic staff at a lake. Really, just like as we'll find out, he's just feeding into her delusions of thinking that she has like a purpose for being in the boiling owls rather than just being there by chance and accident. <laughs> but okay. yeah, the thing is, though, I love this castle house. Oh yeah, no, the castle house. Absolutely, cool. want to live a place like this. The whole thing is a yeah, library. It's like uh, it's kind of like what I imagined like a place in Dark Souls would look like before everything went to hell from like series <laughs> of Dark Souls shit. I mean, funnily, funnily I enough, live without the giant portrait of me on the wall, but other than that, yeah, that's a little egocentric. But like, funnily enough, speaking of Dark Souls, there's actually a kind of blinking you miss it reference to Demon Souls at the shot of the house because the storm ruler from Demon Souls is in the background. <laughs> <laughs> a very weird little like blinking you missed it there's also like uh i mean it's part of like the trivia but there is also like uh a, another dark souls reference because there's a in episode two there's like a wanted poster at some point mm-hmm. where it's someone it's for somebody called dark moon which is uh allusion to the dark moon nidus which is a lady that hangs out near one of the bonfires in anorlando when there was little dark souls I'm pretty sure there's also one of, like, a Bloodborne Hunter at some point in a later episode. <laughs> like, a lot, kind of a bunch of weird, uh, like, references to video games you wouldn't expect. Like, I know there's one to Monster Hunter episode 4 that I'll point out when we get there. Right. Yep. I think yeah. it might be worth noting, the show doesn't really draw attention to this, but... No. ...just sending Luce out for the day. She gives her two pieces of advice, one being to never make friends with a man in sandals, and the other one to be to measure twice and cut once. And the wizard is absolutely wearing sandals. We just don't talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's kind of a thing I hadn't written down, but yeah, that is totally like, oh yeah, if you notice that, it's like, yeah. But you already kind of can like get that kind of just like when you meet Adagas, because it's like, We've seen, like, Luz not have a fun time in the Boiling Owls already, and it's yeah. like, yeah, this guy's definitely up to some shit. <laughs> well, he's being very dumbly-dory. Yeah, I mean... To it, say it, he's pretending it, it, to be very friendly, but actually yeah, he's children. Yeah, his whole design is the straight-up Dumbledore, because he's got a purple robe with stars, and then he's got the big white beard, and he acts all friendly towards kids, when it's like, you should not trust this old person who's being very too friendly with you, child. Yeah. <laughs> yep. God, I still want the... <laughs> Not to also divert back to that shitty series, but it's like, I like the Shriekas idea of Dumbledore being the actual villain and being like a zombie in book book six. <laughs> but yeah, uh, going back to that, uh, Luz is just like super into the idea that there being a magic quest that she could do. She takes a map from the guy. They go back to the Owl House, where Ida and King laugh at the fact that Luz thinks that she's special on the map. But Luz decides to seek out anyway to go and do the little quest, taking like a little He-Man toy sword <laughs> that runs out of batteries. Which, again, point out, Ida has an entire room full of weaponry that we'll see in episode 19. <laughs> Luz at one point tries to lift up a giant like fire axe and just isn't heavy, like strong enough to lift it. She could have gone into there and taken any weapon and instead takes a toy sword. <laughs> but those weapons aren't empowered by the power of Skullgar. <laughs> It's true. <laughs> and hey, as we'll also see, the toy sword is actually very useful somehow. 
So whatever. Yeah, after she sneaks out, like, well, I guess actually before like Rita realizes that Lucy snuck out, she like talks to King about more about the wizard because she doesn't actually know much about him, even though presumably she's been selling potions him for a while. But she goes to Luz's room because she wants to like try to talk more sense to Luz, realizes that she's gone, and picks up the Oh wait no, no, she picked up the map later. Right, right. Yeah, so they decide to go and investigate to see like to go and talk to the wizard to kind of find out if he's actually on the up and up. Uh Luz along the way meets a bunch of friends, one of which is basically just like hunky cloud strife from Final Fantasy. <laughs> Straight up, like, I mean, his last name is, like, Blade Strife, so it's, like, close close enough. <laughs> but, like, they guide her, they help guide is her to the staff. the prince of, like, Angstia? Uh, yeah, he's, like, the, the crown prince of, uh... Oh, God, what was it? I, w- I need to find out now. <laughs> <laughs> Do I remember how to type never if? <laughs> hey, I mean, uh, Google already came up with that. <laughs> Let's see, uh... Uh, where is never if? <laughs> Where is he? Uh, uh, for some reason, only this brings up that, I guess. It doesn't really bring up Never If. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's oh, frustrating. Well. Yeah, whatever. I- I'm pretty sure he said he's like the crown prince of Angstmore or something like that. <laughs> yeah, they go along with her to help guide her towards the staff and give her, air quotes, magical accessories like Never If's cape and like a magic ring and like some bracelets and stuff. Totally, just you know, very much uh, looking at the fey creatures giving her magic shit, and not at all thinking that anything bad is gonna happen. (laughs) (laughs) It's like you, you know what these stories are like. You should not be accepting any shit from like any magical creature and expecting to to go be on the up and up. (laughs) But yeah, like uh, while they do that, like Ida and King go to the castle, which is now just a bunch of bullshit and ruins. So they realize, oh shit, Luce has been tricked. They see more copies of the same like map to this supposed staff just in the ruins. They're like, ah, oh, hell. So, I'm gonna be real. I still love this castle even when it's a ruin. A big spooky yeah. library is just as good as a regular spooky library. Oh yeah, no, it's it's totally it's it, again. This is very much the here's the hundreds of years of Dark Souls shit that has now happened to this place. Go in there and fight some giant monster or something. This is yeah. what it looks like after the Adams family moves in. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, Luz gets to the magical lake where the staff is. When she pulls it free, it just disappears, and all the accessories turn into like magical chains and stuff. I like that she has ones that just bind two of her fingers with a padlock on it for no real reason. <laughs> it just has to fully bind all of her fingers individually for some reason. <laughs> well, sure, if she had a free finger, she could draw a circle and do magic. Well, I mean, yeah, but she's... I, I guess that, yeah, I guess that actually makes sense, because Adagast doesn't know that she can't cast magic at the moment. Mm-hmm. Even though it seems like it's fairly common knowledge that humans can't, I guess demons don't know that as much. Actually, yeah, uh, he did go on a whole quest with her through his puppets, so he probably would know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, she doesn't cast a single spell during that, but whatever. It's fine. Yeah, he, he reveals himself to be this, like, weird-looking demon kind of looks a bit like a dickhead i'm gonna be honest <laughs> i don't know if you thought that but i, come on. I did but now <laughs> i will yeah now, now you will because like I, when i first saw this episode i'm like he kind of looks like a dickhead <laughs> but yeah he's he's like this weird puppet demon that has a bunch of like you know the, the various people that lose his along the way are just puppets on like various like tentacles and stuff including out of guest 
He basically did all this because he just hates Ida with her potion business screwing him out of his own, which his must just suck, considering that Ida said that hers is a side gig she does on weekends. Because her <laughs> human stuff is her primary income. So it's like, wow, this guy must, must suck. But I guess that's because he's not a witch, so he can't do like true magic to make proper potions, I guess. That's why. Because I don't think we see, I don't think we see either make a potion at all after she loses her magic and Lilith. I, I guess Lilith does succeed, but she needs help with, from Hootie and everything. Yeah, and I'm also kind of like, curious about how that works, honestly. Yeah, because like I Lilith mean, at least like seems like she can use some magic, but it's very weak because she does make a little like circle that shoots out like a block of ice, like an ice cube or something. So it's not oh, like she has I no mean, magic. Like, or, this like, is an issue I had with the Bad Wizard Boy series too. As far as I can tell. Potions in most critical media are just put a bunch of junk in a pot and it's magic. Yeah. It shouldn't require magic on the part of the brewer. So I'm really curious about how that really works in the Owl House, and we haven't gotten any explanation. Yeah. We're which is going to. Potions are one of the covens, so it probably is some sort of inbuilt magic, but like. Yeah. It's gotta have something because, like, we do see some potions that do stuff like cause explosions. Like, we'll see in season two, episode three. Like, but I guess like she either does have potions then, so I guess she can still make potions even without her magic. So I guess maybe they're not magic. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. Maybe they would have had more time to examine that if they didn't get screwed by the network and had more time to make more episodes. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> the yeah. problem I always had with bad wizard boy potions was that they were always just incredibly stupid stuff, like. Stir this pot seven times clockwise and then one time counterclockwise. And who figured this out? Who took well, that, the time? <laughs> that, that, if I'm remembering correctly, is actually the notes that Snape wrote in the book. And it's like the official book only has only the seven normal turns. And it's like, how does one person figure out the better way to do it than the people that, you know, presumably are masters at this and made the book? Well, I mean, not even just that, but... Who went through hundreds of thousands of variations assuming, okay, so all my ingredients are right, but I just have to check how many times to stir it now? Yeah, also that. It, it makes no sense. But also, sorry, when you remember, also when you remember that most of the magic in that series is just really minuscule prankster shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I, I guess boils on you. Fuck you. What's a fireball? <laughs> But yeah, uh, going back to it, yeah, like Adagas does his whole thing because like he hates Ida's potion business. He wants to take her out. Funny timing because Zeus claims like Ida's too smart to fall for such a stupid trap like that, and of course Ida shows up right that moment. And I, I do like that Zeus just straight up says, "Ah heck!" <laughs> <laughs> like it's obviously they can't let them say "Ah oh, damn" or "Ah oh, hell" or anything like that. But it's like it's also at one point Ida multiple times says "Ah oh, farts," <laughs> so it's like. I, I know that I know I'm pretty sure that that stuff gets like censored in other countries, but I just like that they're allowed to just like say little things like that. Just like, yeah, okay, yeah, this is just cute and adorable that Lucy says, ah, heck, <laughs> just easily being proven wrong. Yeah, uh, I guess grabs them kind of easily. It's like, I don't know why this. <laughs> Obviously, it's because they want to have like Luce actually have to do something here to have to resist an illusion he puts her under. <laughs> But it's like, it's a little easy where he grabs her after some of the magic we see Ida is capable of, but whatever. <laughs> and the guy's like, blows some like weird illusion smoke at loose that makes her think that the puppets are real again. And she resists it because she's like, yeah, this ain't real. I know it's the, tr I know it's a fake illusion where I'm not anything really special. She basically uses her like toy sword and just straight up stabs a bunch of the puppets, which somehow actually hurts, I guess. I'm not sure how, but whatever. <laughs> 
Either magic is dispels the puppets entirely, so I guess he must have conjured them. Yeah, I guess they must be some sort of magic and like stabbing them, like at least like makes him like flinch, I guess, because he does scream a few times, but he's not like bleeding or anything, obviously, because they don't really want to do that. But yeah, I don't know. Her fighting some of them at least gives either the chance to escape, she burns more of them, and like he at one point has King held hostage and has them. I guess dropped their staff and the sword, but Luce just decides to fucking kick it into the guy's face, and it causes him a lot of pain. And somehow he sh he shrinks down. I don't know how that happens, really. But then either just straight up eats that fucker. <laughs> like, <laughs> and like I, it's just very funny because like a body count <laughs> on the show. I guess no, technically the second if we count that ice cream cone eating a person as the first. <laughs> but I mean. Ida just eats that guy. Like he never see her barf him up after. Like we'll see her do in two episodes time, barfing up the uh the snaggle beast <laughs> or snaggleback. But it's like the the funniest part there is that like Lucius just doesn't even have any like reaction at all. Like he's just like, oh sorry, did you want some of that? And, and Lucius just like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> like not at all horrified that this person she's known for literally a day and a half just gave the person. But whatever. <laughs> Lisa's still a bit bummed out because she's like, ah, this was all my fault and everything. I just thought I was like special or anything. So, Ida decides to actually do a little nice token gesture for her, like blindfolding her and taking her up on the staff to see the entirety of the aisles to show her that, like, yeah, it might be all gross up close, but from a distance or a certain point of view, there's, you know, something special to it. And gives like an actual kind of good moral lesson of you know you can't just sit around hoping that somebody will hand you your life or your destiny or whatever and you got to go out and make it your own and Very yeah sweet. yeah it's it's a good little lesson of like yeah get out there and you know make your own future for you and yeah episode two just kind of ends there like i said not not as big an episode compared to episode one because we're not establishing the characters as much but we're at least establishing a little bit of their relationship together <laughs> Yeah, I was. Yeah. It's a it's a nice, sweet episode, and it's interesting that Ida is willing to go after Luz so soon. Yeah, it's like, especially considering that, like, at the end of the one, when like Luz hugged her when they agreed to like teach her magic in exchange for staying there and like helping out with chores and stuff, where Ida's like, "What are you doing? I don't understand this like gesture you're doing or whatever." But like the next, the very next day, she's willing to like put herself in danger to help Luz. This yeah, little idiot real. that she already tried to warn about stuff. <laughs> so the real question is, when will her advice about measuring things save the day? <laughs> I mean, I, it might just be like a general, like, examine things closer than just going off your base instinct. Yeah, no, it's like a it's a carpenter's saying you measure twice yeah. before you cut, but like yeah, I, I guess I kind of interpret it more as like you know if you hear something that seems good, maybe like step back from it for a second, take a closer look at it, kind of deal, <laughs> like with Luce being way too willing to trust a friendly wizard. Yeah, uh, notes wise for this one, I actually have like kind of more little like notes that I did not actually bring up during the recap compared to episode one. Okay. Uh, this is, like, one of the very few times in the show where a character actually acknowledges the, the definitive amount of time that has passed, because it's the very next day. Because, like, Luz mm -hmm. has, like, that dream sequence at the beginning that I kind of skipped over, where she, like, remembers some of the key important moments from the previous episode. Right, it's kind of, like, weird. Yeah, yeah, it's, 
it's kind of weird because like they don't like cover as much but like they at least cover her wandering into the demon realm but i think like one of the very other time like times that they'll actually have something like this is in eclipse lake where gus acknowledges it's only been a few months since like the very next episode we'll get to next week <laughs> it's like it's like one of those very weird things so like yeah they there's time passing but like none of them really like straight up say and then being like the very next day is kind of a weird one because it's like yeah I, I guess like there's like a couple days that happen between this one and the next episode because like i do remember episode four they mentioned that episode one was a week prior because i remember king at one point says remember last week when nita got her head cut off so it's like, so another one I like got those few times that it happens. Uh, other things I have written down here. Uh, Lou somehow decorates her room overnight. If you look back at when she's in, like, I guess more of the closet. I don't think it's the proper, like, room room <laughs> that she's staying in. It, she doesn't have any of the stuff all over the walls, but when she gets up in the morning in episode two, she already has, like, the strand of lights around and her Azura poster up. <laughs> maybe she couldn't sleep at some point and decided to decorate in the middle of the night or maybe it was just a mistake that the crew didn't realize <laughs> is she not in the attic i don't think she's in the attic i think she's just in the normal room huh. yeah, yeah i think i think i think based on like the the like the angle that we see the room from the outside in some shots like at the end of episode one and also like during eclipse lake which are kind of like the few times we really see the room and also, I guess, uh, near the end of Hunting Talisman, it doesn't seem like it's the attic. Because, like, there's no, like, ladder that leads to it or something. I think it's just literally, like, an old closet <laughs> or something. Or, like, an old storage <laughs> room of some sort. But, like, uh, also, Ida, please clean your bathroom and your fridge. They are gross looking. The remarks I saw, the fridge is just filled with a bunch of shit, and the bathroom just looks like a nightmare. <laughs> Like I get, I get that it's only been her and King, and I guess King being eight doesn't care. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's just it's gross. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, we have the first sighting of Apple Blood in this episode, which I don't think they really thought about what Apple Blood is <laughs> this early on, because we'll also see Gus drink it in next episode. Before later on, they just basically acknowledge that Apple Blood is just booze <laughs> of some sort. <laughs> I mean, you can't start the day without it. <laughs> I guess, but like, it's more, I guess, more implied to be like a juice or like a coffee in these first couple episodes right. until season two comes around where it's just either acknowledging it as her night juice. <laughs> oh, I mean, 14 year olds shouldn't be drinking coffee either, so. No, but I would rather give a 14 year old coffee than booze. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Sorry Again, maybe fourteen-year-old listeners. No offense. <laughs> yeah, but like maybe maybe there's branches of apple blood. Where maybe there's like adult apple blood and kid apple blood, <laughs> not, not alcoholic apple blood. I guess I don't know. Synthetic apple blood that doesn't have the alcohol in the blood. I don't know. Pretty sure that's just apple juice. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, another little goofy thing I noticed uh, when Ida is talking about stabs and she has hers fly to her. It takes like multiple seconds of clattering around before like smacking into her mm -hmm. three episodes from now we'll see her be able to summon out of thin air and not have to have it actually travel to her so again i don't know if he had just learned how to teleport her staff in the three episodes between now and convention or if they just wanted to have a gag where because she's just like just woken up she can't actually do that spell and just has it fly to her and smack her in the face i guess 
I wonder if it's like a, a pocket dimension thing. Like you can pull it out with an action, but only if it's already in there. Oh yeah, maybe maybe it's like a uh, like a hexblade warlock's uh, weapon, where if you have it out, it's just there. But as soon as you like, you can use an action to shunt it into interdimensional space and then exactly, pull it back yeah. out. Maybe. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I also mentioned the thing about stabs. Awards, like she says, awards stabs are awarded from school, but she'll have that Lucy would have to earn one. In episode ten, she'll claim to have carved Albert herself, in addition to stealing Palestrum Wood for Luce later on in season two. And also, Amity clearly gets ghosts from somewhere other than the school because she's intentionally absent from school. <laughs> so, but her family is also wealthy enough; they could probably just get Palestrum Wood themselves. But it's like, I guess. There's the option, I guess. Maybe, like, talisman that people make themselves have more of, like, a stronger bond with them and they're more powerful than just, like, ones given from school? I don't know. I, I guess maybe... I so. Yeah, maybe something like that. Uh, Let's see. Yeah, I also alluded to it, but, like, they know wizards exist. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> we know wizards are not a species. So it's like, because like, you know, Edith says like, oh, wizards, you can't trust them. Never trust a person wearing robes and stuff like that. But it's like, again, we never see an actual wizard because like we haven't actually seen an actual wizard because that, I guess, was a demon. So right. I, I don't know what the deal of wizards are. Maybe they're a kind of offshoot of witches or maybe demons like witches. Maybe wizards are like a special classification of demon or something. Because like, I, we don't know. <laughs> Again, I, early, know, I was thinking it might just be like a job, basically. Maybe, like maybe it's like oh, they like practice like a slightly different kind of magic or whatever than the other covens, or maybe I don't know. But again, might just be early episode weirdness where they haven't established that like which was going to be the species name at this point, so they were still doing like gender terms, I guess. Unfortunately. Okay, so Sun King ate a whole bunch of those illusion scones, huh? What do you think they were really eating? I mean, they might have just been actual scones. Oh, like, really? like, like, I mean, King was eating them, and it's like, if they were illusions, he wouldn't have been biting into anything. Just like I... with the tea, like with the tea, Luce is drinking the tea, so it's like, I think it was like actual food, everything else was illusions in the place. Oh, I just figured it was illusions overlaid over other stuff. Hmm. Who knows? Depends uh, on uh, how powerful illusion magic is, can it make you taste stuff? Yeah, I suppose. But uh, speaking of food, remember how it's a big thing in the early in, the, in season two where Ida mentions that there's not a lot of food in the demon realm that Luce can actually eat. <laughs> when she's having like store like getting stuff for her journey ready, she just straight up has a loaf of bread, bread and a wedge of cheese in her bindle. <laughs> so <laughs> again, I, I, for all the just early episode weirdness that they're like we didn't establish that like Luce actually can't eat stuff for the most part in demon realm because like also next episode like guess we'll just straight up have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich so <laughs> I, I, again don't know well i mean right now they still have access to the human realm they can steal from whatever grocery store they want yeah i suppose there's that i mean we will see them literally just have an extension cord plugged in somewhere in the human realm going through the portal door <laughs> <laughs> which which also i guess is like actually how they rationalize like the internet working through there because the door is open because like in that same episode like king is watching like cat videos and like loose looks at the door and he's like oh i guess we have a strong wi-fi coming through the door for once so huh. I, I guess that explains it because like i guess as long as the door just exists she can still use her text messaging or maybe either just had it open for some reason that night 
in the previous episode for Lucy to get that text. Or again, maybe the staff didn't think about that that early. <laughs> Probably just that. Yeah, I'm gonna be real. I don't think that's how data coverage works, but whatever. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Luce has to get huge roaming charges in the demon realm. Technically <laughs> on a different continent. <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> don't worry about it. Uh let's see. Uh is there anything in here? Uh, oh yeah uh just just a little like general thing i also took note of uh during the bit when like uh lucy's put in the illusion world with the puppet skin before she breaks out of that i think it's never if the puppet that says Luce, why would you want to live in a world where people laugh at you which oh boy, that really hits harder when you like really think about what Luce's life back on Earth was like, huh? <laughs> Especially yeah. with the implication from uh, Hootie's door when she like tries, basically implies that people have laughed at her for like asking people out in the past. And it's like, oh boy, Luce's life back home sucks. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. She's got a whole box full of snakes. <laughs> well, yeah, and she has snake friends, but it's like, eh, she... Yeah, I don't know. Again, I mean, I'm, I'm just me speaking personally here. Definitely do hear, feel a lot of that from Luz because I was also that social outcast back as a teenager. It's like, oh boy. That's fair. Yep. Also, just like a little note thing I have here too. Uh, I like how early on in these few episodes, Luz usually calls Ida either Miss Ida or Ida the Owl Lady. Like, she's not just really calling her Ida for the most part because she doesn't know her th that well because it's only been, like, a day. It's right. just a neat, it's a neat little touch. I think they drop it after, like, the next episode or episode four where she will just start calling her Ida. But it's, it's just a nice little touch of, like, yeah, she's 14. She would be calling somebody Miss or Mr. instead. Yeah, I don't know. If episode four is a week later, that's really fast to drop a title. <laughs> yeah, I guess. And also, like, by that point, like, uh, they've they've had a few adventures and, like, you know, like, Ida will at least, like, pat her on the head and tell her good job at the end of the next episode, which is a couple days before that one. So I guess maybe the wall start to break a bit. Fair enough. Yep. Okay. Uh, I don't actually have anything for this episode, so do you have anything else? Uh, I have I have a few just general trivia things about Not the episode thing. so far that we can bring up. Uh, yeah, like, I mean, just for the sake of the viewer and everything, the show was originally supposed to be pissed as being in hell with it, the adventures being after Luz had died. Obviously, Disney was like, no, we can't let you have a kid's show set in hell. <laughs> <laughs> but at that point, yeah, during their initial designs, like, the collector was were a bit older, like, around, like, 18 or so, which is where, like, the, the beta artwork that uh, Dana had made where people usually just call them either Beta, Luce, and Amity, and Willow, or Lucia, and Amelia, or the common ones for them, just to differentiate them. But yeah, obviously that didn't happen. People people want to see those be like their older designs. If there's like a time skip, that'd be neat, and a little wink and nod, but hmm. I don't think we'll get that. Uh, Just in general, in the intro, in the shot where King is with the plushies, we see multiple plushies that are also references to things. I wrote some of them down here. Uh, I don't know how you pronounce this, but I think it's Sakiel, is one of the angels from Neon Genesis Evangelion, can be seen in the pile, along with Psycho Jenny from Devilman, uh, Luna from Sailor Moon, and Omu from Nausicaa in the Valley of the Wind. 
the title character of the Phantom of the Paradise. I have no idea what the fuck that is. I just literally copied that from the TV Tropes page. Uh, Moogle and the Knight from Hollow Knight. That's quite a lot. And I only yep. recognized a couple of them. <laughs> well, yeah, also, like I said, I just copied that list from TV Tropes. <laughs> Thanks, TV Tropes. Obviously, I saw the, the Knight because I love Hollow Knight. <laughs> And I think the knight also, yeah, I'm pretty sure the knight also shows up again in season two, episode three. I think it's just in the background in like one of the, the early scenes. Pardon? Yep. Uh, another little fun thing uh, the Romeo and Juliet audition that Luce is doing, where she pretends to stab herself and like sausages come out, is straight up an allusion to a scene from the intro of Zootopia where Judy does the same thing. <laughs> I don't I don't think I'm pretty sure it's not actually yeah, it's like a reenactment of the Predator and Prey history. It's not actually a, right. a play. But it is just straight up that scene. <laughs> uh another thing also just taken straight from TV tropes, the shack that Luce chased Albert into looks just like the shack from Evil Dead. <laughs> very funny little tidbit there. Uh Ida's design very much looks like Ryoko from Tenshi Muyo. I don't know if you ever thought of that, but I also thought of that as soon as I saw her design, and it's like, oh yeah, that's definitely Ryoko. I'm not actually familiar with Tenshi Muyo, so I couldn't say that, no. Okay, uh, if you just Google Ryoko, uh, she's she's the, the the main character, I guess not the main main character, but like she's like the first of the various like female characters that Tenshi meets, like in episode one. She's, she's like a space criminal and everything, so yeah, she, she has crazy hair and everything, so a lot of people thought that she looked like Ida. Hmm. Uh, little fun thing here, I also saw people mention on the subreddit at times, if you look at King's silhouette as he rounds the corner in, like, the little bath towel episode, his shadow on the wall kind of looks like John Luke from episode 3 of season 2. <laughs> so, like, I don't know if there's any implication there or whatnot, I don't know, <laughs> I guess we'll find out later. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I wrote that a lot more than I thought I did here. Sorry. Uh, if you look closely at the fireworks that exploded near the end of episode one, they explode into what looks to be a bit of a glyph combo, because they have, like, a bit of, like, a flower pattern to them in the explosions. So, like, it kind of looks like it's, like, a bunch of, like, fire glyphs, like, interlaced together in, like, a flower pattern. It's kind of just, like, a little, like, interesting little hint at the glyphs, I guess, overall. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, I think I noticed that. No. Yeah, that's something I also recently saw because I think there's also one point where somebody said they think they saw a light glyph in this, like in the sky in the background before the light glyph is introduced in episode four, but I did not see that one at all. Uh, other just little miscellaneous things. Uh, at the end of episode one, Ida at uh, least has to stand on her tippy toes to hug Ida. By the end of season one, she doesn't have to, in the coding that she hit a growth spurt at some point during the season. Just a fun little thing. Taller <laughs> <laughs> uh, shoes. Yeah, and I think her shoes are the same. I think it's just that she grew a bit. Uh, voice actor, little funny things aside from the main cast, uh, Katya from episode one, her voice actress. Gray Delete, uh, Gray Delite, sorry, Gray, I did not know how to pronounce your last name, D-E-L-I-S-L-E. I think. I think so, yeah. She voices various, like, background characters in the show, like the Wild Witch that Ida helps in Season 2, Episode 7, but she also voiced Azula on Last Airbender, and I did not notice that. And also, like, obviously, one ref is Roger Craig Smith, aka Sonic the Hedgehog. Right. That's a fun thing. I think Roger Craig Smith also voices the conspiracy theorist guy in 
yesterday's light, I think. I think that's I think he voices him too. <laughs> yep. Uh yeah, obviously I mentioned okay. like dark little thing I have on here. Like the other the only other little thing is obviously like loose kind of foreshadows Amity when she talks about a bad girl with black nail polish and a seriously withdrawn attitude. Like obviously <laughs> Amity. But f apparently she was supposed to also meet Amity in episode one in the original pitch, but yeah, it changed a bit. Oh yeah, that would move faster. Yeah, a little bit. But hey, we'll see Amity next week, so so see it. But uh okay. I, I do I do also have my fun little thing I mentioned to you before I recorded that I wanted to bring up yeah. after this. Uh so I have a thing written down here of loose crimes count <laughs> where I wanted to track all the crimes that Luz commits in the series <laughs> of the show. <laughs> so it really just episode one, because like episode two, the it's the only thing she kinda does. It's not a crime, but she does just straight up smash one of Adagas teacups when she gets excited. That's not cool, Luz. But in episode one, we have trespassing because she does just break into the conformatorium, assaulting an officer of the law because she does hit one ref in the back with the staff and then throws the fireworks at him, uh, evading arrest when they es escape on the the staff there, jailbreak for breaking out a bunch of the other prisoners, rioting for causing a prison riot to attack the officer of the law, <laughs> and also consorting with other criminals. <laughs> <laughs> and we will add to this as time goes on and sees what else Luz commits. <laughs> but just, just a funny thing I thought of based on watching that first episode. Like, wow, Luz is breaking a lot of laws. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess we're not going to count bringing a firework to school then. <laughs> I, I guess I, I, yeah, I guess I could add that on there because uh, it probably counts as a weapon of some sort, right? <laughs> it is a bomb, technically, <laughs> if you really think about it. I'm actually typing that on right now. <laughs> so, uh, we don't have to talk about this if you don't want to, mm -hmm. but one thing I guess I could ask is where do you stand on the King is Bill Cipher reincarnated thing? I don't think that's all at all a thing. <laughs> and like, no? I, I get that there are like little winks and nods to the various shows, obviously. Like, I mean, there's other stuff that I didn't mention. Like, we could, like, you can see Dipper's cap in Edith's Junk Pile in episode one. Right. But it's like those are all just like funny little wink and nods to various characters and various shows. Like the biggest one I think that might imply anything. Uh, you watch? Do you watch Amphibia? Uh, I'm behind, but yes. Okay. Do, do you mind if I mention one little thing that doesn't actually have? It. It's not actually related to the plot. There's one episode where they like are talking about like potential portals to different worlds. And there's like blurry images of other worlds, and one of them is of the Owl House. So people are like, "Oh, they're all connected." And it's like, no, that's just a, it's a stupid little Easter egg that they're just because like Matt Brawley, who runs who's the show creator of Amphibia, is good friends with Dana Terrace, and they just put little wink and nods at each other's show in that. Like, there's one, like I don't know if you ever noticed in uh, Hootie's Door in season two, there's a shot where you can see the calamity box from Amphibia in the basement of the Owl House. Right. It's like it, they're just. They're they're jokes for people to recognize if they know other things from the shows. It's like they're not connected. Obviously, okay. like people only think of this because it's Alex Harris voicing both. Well, I mean, there's a little more behind it than that. <laughs> Which would be? Uh, well, so in the Gravity Falls Choose Your Own Adventure book, there's a path you can take that gives you a secret code, and if you use that secret code. It takes you to a website, and that website tells you nothing because they took it down since the book was published. But 
when it was up, it involved uh, Dipper and Mabel meeting a godlike axolotl creature outside of space and time who informed them that Bill had been banished, but did actually have a way back if he sought repentance for his crimes. And then in the last episode, when he's being erased, he does, it's backwards, you have to play it backwards, he invokes the axolotl and says that he's going to take a new form and a new time in order to pay for his crimes. So, like, maybe. Yeah, I guess. But, like, I, I think it's really just more like a, okay, yeah, at least, like, Bill Cipher had some sort of redemption in that series. I, I have not actually watched that show, and honestly, from the few things I've heard about it, just <laughs> off tangentially from the uh, rep- totally reprised Twitter, I don't think I will, because <laughs> that yeah, show does not feel like it up. But no, I think it's just more like a goof. Because like, I mean, if there's if you also believe that stuff, then like, Ida was Stan's ex-wife at some point, which I also don't think that happened. <laughs> Well, I mean, he specifically says they were married for less than a day, and then she robbed him, so I kind of believe that, actually. I mean, who knows? Maybe it's also just a wink and nod, because, I mean, she does go by, like, the same fake name in Ye- from Yesterday's Lie as she did in yeah. that, I believe. I don't know. I think they're just goofs of just, like, looking at it and being like, eh, see this? We're all, we're all buds, and this is all Disney stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah uh, fair enough. Just curious. I wanted to get your temperature on that. Yeah, no, I think it's... I don't think it would happen. I mean, the the common, like, theory people have about King is that he's the son of the Titan. And, like, because, like, he doesn't seem to actually be a demon of any sort. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. There's, like, a, a bunch of, like, little, like, potential references to that based on, like, the various barrels, because it's, like, the person that looks to be, like, his father seems to be fighting the Titan, but also we're not really sure. Who knows? He could be like a different species altogether that's like from the other islands or whatever that we briefly see in Hootie's Door that the Owl Beast is from. Who the fuck knows? We won't know until whenever the fuck season two B starts, which based on that like list of show premieres in February does not seem to be any time before March, unfortunately. All us, all us owl and frog fans sitting here in, in lament while uh, the ghost fans are getting fed well in February, but not us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Molly McGee comes back next month. <laughs> but not in Phoebe or Owl House. <laughs> um, oh, wow. <laughs> Sorry, I was using a uh, a website to reference that Bill Cipher stuff because I couldn't remember it off the top of my head. Ah. And boy, it sure does treat him like he's a real character and teach you how to summon him. <laughs> oh yeah, also uh, I forgot I did Google this. Uh, apparently, uh, based on Connecticut's fireworks laws, only sparklers and fountains, which are non-explosive and non-aerial, are legal in Connecticut. So Luz broke the law to buy those fireworks. <laughs> <laughs> Who says she bought them? I mean, presumably her mom didn't uh, buy them for her because she's like, what are we going to do with these? <laughs> I'm also going to add procured illegal fireworks to Luce's lawbreaking. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I don't have anything else. So that just leads me to ask, did we get any questions for this episode? Let me check. I don't believe so. Uh, let me read those. 
There is not, but also it's just the first episode. Whatever. <laughs> we'll That's get there, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Uh, where can listeners send questions if they have them? Ah, fuck, I just closed them out. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, pretty sure it is us weirdo at, at us weirdos cast on Twitter and the same us weirdos cast at gmail.com if they want to send us email. Let me just confirm that. Yes, it is at us words with guests. So the same in email. Yep. Uh, do you have anything you'd like to plug before we take off? Uh, I mean, I guess if people want to send us them directly, they could just we can mention our own Twitters. I think we did before. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I'm again. I don't know how to really fucking pronounce this whole thing. At <laughs> mix underscore quill i guess mx underscore quill <laughs> i will eventually at some point find a way to read that off better or maybe i should change my handle <laughs> no, well don't change your handle because it makes saying it easier that's no fun well, yeah but also like i i guess it's just weird to think of like the mx honorific as pronounced as mix because i also don't see myself as like a mixture of male and female i see myself as just neither right. or like something else no, I'm very much with you there. That's why I use yeah. mystery. Yeah, I gotta find a good, like, honorific that I like. Fair enough. Um, I am at patch underscore jacket on Twitter, where I do not log in for four days and then just retweet other people's stuff on the fifth one. Uh, I do not <laughs> expect original content from me. That doesn't happen. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of me. I'm just liking and retweeting a bunch of Owl House fan arts I, fan artists I follow. Uh oh, that's that's an idea. Do we do we want to make this be a thing where we bring up like like uh different artists every week that we like that makes Owl House fan content? Um, if you'd like to spotlight artists, be my guest. But I'm gonna be real. I don't know any. So <laughs> okay, well maybe you'll find some by this. Uh, so I guess like the first one like that probably deserves the most amount of attention would be Mooring Mark. Uh. I do not know their pronouns. I'm just going to say they, them. Uh, Mooring Mark, I want to see your shit. Uh, that would be M-O-R-I-N-G-M-A-R-K on Instagram. Just add U-G-H, and you will find shit tons of Owl House fan comics that they make, which look also like some, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, Star vs. Force of Evil ones. Oh, nice. less, less of those. It's kind of like a rotation where I think it's like, I think it's like Monday, Wednesday, Friday is the Star Comics, and then Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday is Owl House. But also, if you go to the Owl House Reddit or subreddit, I guess in particular, there's other ones that they post that are just like one or two page comics, just like little jokey ones compared to their usual ones that they release, which usually are like six or seven pages. <laughs> it's it's an obscene amount of comics that this person makes. And, <laughs> it sounds yeah. like it yeah and like i mean I, I think i've shown you some of them just in, yeah you've sent me a few yeah like just like general ones where it's like it really does look like that it's like these are just official comics that could be just like sold but disney doesn't because i guess they don't want to actually merchandise this fucking show or whatever <laughs> i don't know it's, it's a very impressive amount of artwork this person does and it's worth checking out because like god this latest comic they did just Thursday has 68,000 likes on Instagram alone. <laughs> <laughs> it's Avity fighting uh, Darius. <laughs>
Okay. Well, thank you very much for your spotlight. We should, yeah. um, in the future, we should probably move that before our plugs, but I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, I guess. We'll figure it out. It was something I thought of at the end there. Of like, oh, should we do this as a fun thing? Absolutely. Yep. Uh, well, uh, unless you have anything else, I'd say we're just about done here. So uh, until next time, remember, uh, us weirdos have to stick have together. To stick together. Bye. Bye. <laughs> we kind of did it. <laughs> Oh, uh, we're getting there. <laughs>